Welcome to this new episode of The Context. Today I want to talk about mental health. It is a very delicate subject that we are not accustomed to address, certainly not openly, or very few of us are ready to engage in the interactions that necessarily unavoidably come about when the subject of mental health is brought forward in our conversations. Are we ready to understand that our state of health is imperfect? It's kind of natural to think that it is. Are we ready to try to believe that it is perfectible? I hope that is also the case. We are caring more and more for our bodies. We try to get in shape, we go to the gym, we want to eat well, healthy food. We uh, are able to look into the mirror and understand that we can work on our bodies so that our metabolism, our muscles, our bones are in the best possible shape, that we are fit from a physical point of view. So it would be natural and possible to be able to be, to do the same for our minds, to care for our minds similarly so that we are in shape psychologically, we are fit from a behavioral point of view, that we have the same level of insight in our interactions with ourselves and with others as we have for our muscles and our bodies. Certainly, it is witness to the evolution of our society that we can afford the luxury of caring for ourselves and caring for each others. We have the benefit of survival being more or less guaranteed in that we can move beyond being fed or having shelter and to look at whether we are crazy or not, to be blunt. Actually, in some places of the world, this is definitely not the case. I love the city of San Francisco, and isn't it a shame for those of us that go and visit to see how the various aspects of multiple crises are interacting to produce an outcome of unbelievable complexity, but very direct, visible suffering of homelessness, of uncaring society, of challenges of mental health combining and produce a city 
that is starting to be, in many ways, unlivable. In other places of the world, of course, basic survival is a challenge already, and it is hard to go beyond and to check how people are coping and how they are surviving through the stress and the pressure of everyday challenges. I have personal experiences of existential crises of mental health, some of which have been successfully addressed, others that have not. My father died a suicide when he was 40, and I was very young. I wasn't able to address it in a proactive manner, and uh, I don't harbor feelings of guilt or, or regret with regards of that situation. The causes of his death certainly can be attributed to depression, which is a kind of a convenient label. Um, and now it is, of course, impossible to go back and to analyze what could have been done or should have been done and by whom. I personally love to go uh, to the psychologist, to the shrink. I have a great fun in interacting with the person, a professional that brings out all kinds of ways that uh, we go and look inside ourselves. I love breaking the rules of those sessions. Uh, I remember once bringing um, large pieces of paper and wanting to draw kind of a m mind map of my own mind. And um, um, she wasn't game. She didn't really appreciate the attempt to, to, to change the rules of, of the session. But um, it was fun nonetheless. And, and I remember fondly the uh, uh, evolution of, of, of our conversations. Um, it is, I think, something that uh, everybody should do. Uh, an analogy that I often make is how much people care for their cars, uh, bringing in the car for periodic checkups, making sure that uh, the oil levels are, are good or that the tires are not uh, too uh, consumed uh, or swapping them, you know, doing all kinds of things. Admittedly, I am not one of those. I don't deserve having a car. I really don't uh, care for it uh, at a sufficient level. I barely do the minimum, legally required minimum. But those people who do, 
do they apply the same level of care and attention to themselves, not only physically, but mentally? And these sessions with uh, a shrink are really, for me, similar, just opportunities to check in and to check up what is going on in your own mind. And as I said, I, I have great fun in them. I, I, I feel that I have uh, derived benefit from them. Meditation is a great tool. I've never practiced explicit paths to meditation. Uh, when I was uh, in my late teens, early 20s, I practiced martial arts. And what I gained from them is a kind of mental discipline reflected in breathing, reflected in composure and being able to introspect to a certain degree uh, in my emotional state and modulate my emotional state according to what the situation requires in a more proactive manner uh, and a more managed manner than otherwise would be available to me where emotions don't drive me and don't control me, I am more able to control my emotions instead. Others are more disciplined about experiencing the advantages of meditation and find great benefit uh, from the meditation opening doors to their internal states and the fact that they can then understand and learn the internal states of their minds in a way that lead them to more satisfactory outcomes. Another personal experience that uh, I had with uh, mental health is through my daughter, Jordana. Uh, she is 19 now, and uh, a couple of years ago, she uh, fell uh, in uh, a fairly serious uh, depression that would manifest itself with anxiety and panic attacks, obsessive compulsive behaviors, and she was in a real crisis. Me and, and, and her mother, Diana, supported her to um, face her condition. And, uh, of course, she did most of the work. Uh, we uh, brought her to uh, a psychologist and then a psychiatrist, and um, both of them helped her work uh, both uh, in terms of behavioral therapy as well as in chemical help. It was amazing to see um, her journey of course, for me as a parent, 
also filled with great anguish. And one thing that was really interesting is to see how she um, could benefit from not only talking about her condition with her um, psychologist and psychiatrist in terms of a professional setting, but on her YouTube channel. You can Google it easily, Jordana Orban, and you will immediately find her YouTube channel. It is amazing to me that she has many times more subscribers than I do. Amazing, I mean, there is nothing wrong in either the number of my subscribers or her subscribers. I am, I am just uh, in admiration if the number of subscribers is a measure of success, as well as the number of views and comments that uh, some of her videos generated. I encourage you to, to, to watch those videos where she talks about her condition, putting herself at her most vulnerable out there for others to relate to, empathize with, ask questions, to the point where uh, I remember uh, a year ago or so, she actually started to contact healthcare professionals um, who were geographically distributed in order to be able to refer people who would contact her who needed help, realizing and recognizing that she, not being a professional, couldn't help them. This kind of community and human relationships that form are, in my opinion, an incredibly valuable and important outcome of a technologically mediated platform that enables those human relationships and those communities. I do believe in our need to furthering a scientific understanding of how our mind works and how our mind does not work as well as it could in so many ways and in so many occasions. I believe that there is a lot of value in the conversations that we can have uh, with each other and also there is value in making sure that the chemical pathways and the metabolism of uh, our brains uh, work optimally and nudge them in a better direction if they are not working well. Of course, we still don't understand enough. And these times of rapid change require a degree of adaptation that is beyond the capacity to adapt for a lot of people. I believe that if we observe challenges of, of mental health, they come from one hand, our ability to observe it and to recognize it better than we would uh, previously. But on the other hand, these also come because of how hard 
it is to be sane in our crazy world of today. This can be especially clearly observed in the world of startups and entrepreneurship. We are living in a fake world of winner culture, where paradoxically we are also saying that failing is natural and that it should be cherished. But failing sucks. It is a really bad outcome. Yes, we can learn from failure, but that is not the kind of outcome that we work for and the kind of sacrifice and investment that being part of a startup requires and that everybody around you tells you you should make are very close to generating burnout in the founders that can turn into depression, that can turn into suicide, which is something that happens too frequently in a world of young, talented, passionate people who are not able to help themselves and who are not helped by their surrounding to the degree that they should receive help in order to get better. And we can and we must be alert, whether in our own families or whether in our environments, making sure that on one hand we ask the right questions and on the other hand that we are able to open up and give honest answers. No, I'm not doing great. It is really hard. I am feeling down. I need help. These are steps towards a sane and healthy environment that we should all be ready to take. A former student of mine at Singularity University created a company called X2. The website is x2.ai. And they are using behavioral counseling techniques for TESS. T-E-S-S. TESS is a chatbot. And it has been deployed in many clinical settings to great benefit. Thousands of uh, screenings, tens of thousands of follow-up sessions, thousands of sessions during crises of depression, and with over 20% of the users still using tests for chatting a year after having started, it is an extremely interesting experiment, more than that, the startup uh, uh, is alive uh, several years uh, later uh, after having uh, uh, been funded, to leverage and scale the ability of a human professional to monitor and oversee relationships with other human beings 
where behind each chat session with Tess, there is a human who can intervene at a necessary moment immediately to um, to help the human on the other side of the of the text chat. Mental health is really part of uh, what we are. And being able to have open and honest conversations about challenges in mental health and understanding how to get better will lead to a society that is more humane, more empathic, more inclusive, and that in turn is more resilient, more adaptable, readier to experiment, and will form the basis for aiming to create an understanding of our individual behaviors and of designing future outcomes that we in turn want to be part of that is going to be a benefit to each of us as individuals. For me, uh, my past experiences have clearly shown that being alert, being self-aware, being aware of others and their struggles, as well as our own, is necessary. And I am ready to keep making further steps on this incredible journey. So thank you for listening to this episode of The Context and for sharing your experiences with me, for reaching out. I receive responses to each episode and I love responding to all of you individually. So I welcome your feedback. I welcome your questions, your criticism as it is needed. And I invite you uh, to become a supporter on Patreon so that together with my team, I can create future episodes of the context. Thank you.